Got your Bible in your hands? I stole somebody's because I didn't want to hold up my iPad. Amen. I'm that guy that pastor talks about. Amen. Hold your Bible up this morning. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I am empowered by its love, and I overcome by the produce from Amen. I want to make sure you guys can say it this morning. Amen. This morning, I want to talk to you uh, about a message entitled, To See Him Stand. Amen. To See Him Stand. Um, you can turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4 this morning. Um, the decision to stand for Christ in my daily life has been the most incredible decision I have ever made. It's given me the greatest journey I could have ever asked for. And I believe that that is solely because I chose not to chase something, but to surrender everything. I'm going to say that one more time. I chose to surrender instead of chase. We live in a world today where people are constantly chasing, striving, rubbing shoulders, trying to get the next promotion, the accolades, the acknowledgement, all of these different things where the kingdom of God is absolutely, totally the opposite, where God calls us just to come to him in simple surrender and allow him to do what he's going to do in our lives. Amen. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter four and verse number 14 says, seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly, turn to your neighbor and say boldly this morning, unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. This morning I would submit to you that we have a high priest that knows our trials, he knows our struggles, and he knows our mission. Amen. He knows what our life is all about. You may think that God doesn't know what's going on in your life. You may feel like he is totally clueless to everything you're facing and battling. But I want to tell you today that we have a great high priest that walked this earth, that lived this life, that faced the temptations you face, that faced the, the opportunities to have the struggles, and he overcame. And that is why he is in heaven today interceding for each and every one of us. Amen. He is advocating not for our struggle, but for our victory. He is advocating not for your pain, but for your promise. He is advocating not for your weakness, but for your strength. Can you say amen this morning? That was weak. He is advocating for you. Can you say amen this morning? I need some help, man. You guys are the second service. You guys have had a whole pot of coffee, not just a quick shot of espresso. You guys should be full of life and energy. You guys have already gone to the gym. You ran your triathlon, right, Pastor Cole? This guy will wake up on Friday morning and decide he wants to run a triathlon on Saturday. Okay, this guy is a machine. He used to tell me we used to work together. So he's like, I'm going to run this triathlon this weekend. I'm like, uh, have you been training? No, nah, I'm just going to go do it. Supernatural. Amen. So why does Jesus advocate for us? Why does he stand in heaven interceding for us? Because... This morning, your life tells a story that is louder than any words you could ever speak. I'm going to say that one more time. Your life tells a story louder than you'll ever be able to speak. Amen. Words are powerful, but even more powerful is the life that you choose to live. You know, for me, 
um, last week was an incredible week. I was honored to get to do the wedding for my, my cousin, and, and that's always just such a privilege when you get to um, do that for a family member, and I always tell them, I'm like, I'm going to do this, but if you get divorced, you owe me all the money that it cost me to come and do your wedding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Actually, I had somebody text me, like, what do you charge? And he's a roofer, and I said, well, I'll trade you. I'll do your wedding, and you re-roof my house. Fair trade, right? <laughs> he fired right back. He's like, well, do you have a warranty? And I'm like... My like, good call. I'm like, yeah, I'll put a 30-year warranty on that one, all right? So anyways, so we had a great week. We got to do the assembly, and, and I'm just like, God, you're so good. God, you're, you know, just, I don't know. Have you guys ever had those moments where you just feel like you're walking on clouds, right? And, and I didn't realize I was that hyped up until some of the ladies were having their Bible study, and we came and unloaded the stuff, and they're like, man, what, what, you guys were like just on top of the world, like, because we were all just like pumped up and fired up and it was awesome and, and stuff. And so I had to go down to Folsom. Um, and I used to love to go to Costco. Used to. And I'm like, I pay a lot of money to endure this. And I'm usually the guy with the big orange cart, right? Like I'm like the semi going down the freeway, right? Like it, and people act like it's my job to stop my cart that I have to get like all the paper products for the church and the gym. And so by the time I'm done at Costco, my cart, like I'm like on my tiptoes, like seeing over it. Right. And people just cut in front of me. And I'm just like, Oh man, I always tell myself when I get that cart, I'm like, today's the day I'm not stopping. <laughs> today's the day that I'm going to go through Costco, and if they don't move, they're getting run over, right? Like, I'll see people, thank you, one fan, right? I'm like, I get going through that thing, and they like, I, I'm like, people, are you so like zoned out and just so into yourself that you don't even realize everybody else around you? And I'm like, yep, that's what it is, right? And so I always tell myself, and then I'll come up to somebody, and, and they're not moving, and I move, and I'm like, hey, I was trying to play chicken, and they look at me like I'm crazy, and I'm like, I was just trying to see who would move first. Clearly me, the guy with the big cart. Anyways, I'm at Costco, and how many of you guys have ever been there, and it's like the, um, it's like winning the lottery to get a good parking spot? I heard a message one time that God's favor goes everywhere with you and God's favor means you get front row parking, right? Like God really cares how close we park, but I care. So I'm always believing God for like the closest parking spot. I'll drive around. My family's always like, dad, do you realize we could already be in the store by now? Cause you just drove around so many times waiting for that spot. And I'm like, I know, but I go to the gym already. I don't need more exercise except for when I eat ice cream. So I'm, I'm sitting here and, and I'm right in front, like the front door's right here, it's the first run. And I'm in my truck and I pull up and I almost get turned all the way into this aisle and I stop because there's this big family, they're getting out of their car and all their kids, I'm waiting and another car's backing out. And I'm like, okay, I'll wait, there's a couple spots here. So I'm stopped and all of a sudden this truck, I mean, I never even saw it. I don't even know. I think it landed from Mars in the parking lot, like space shuttle. This thing just came flying, right? I mean, this car wasn't even fully started to go out, and he just comes flying in. I honk my horn, and he did not give me the peace sign. He, he straight gives me the, the not nice finger and glares at me and his wife, too. I mean, I'm like, what? I'm like, I just honked. And so I park my truck and they're parked right across from me and I get out and I'm like, bro, you need to slow down. And he lit me up with words that I have not heard 
in a long time. I was on cloud nine and all of a sudden I felt like I was six feet under. Have you ever had that moment where like your blood and I mean, I was like, I wasn't angry like I wanted to go like physically hurt him. No. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I like got out and it just like, my heart was racing. I'm just like, and this guy used some really bad words. Like I've never been called those things ever. I don't think like I've been called some, some stuff and I'm like, wow, he just went like full blown vulgarity and said some stuff and it like grieved me. Like I was like, almost like I want to like throw up. And I was just like, man, I was on such a like spiritual high and this guy just ruined life for me. You know what I mean? I was like, man, what is happening? I, I get up to the front door and this guy's cussing me out all the way in. And I'm like, he's turning around. His wife is John. And I'm like, wow, there was like six parking spots there. And they were mad because they thought I was going to steal their spot and all this stuff. And I'm like, man, this is a parking spot. And this guy's ready to kill somebody over it. And so I get into the store and I get the guys checking me in. And he goes, <clears throat> he goes, man, I can't believe that just happened. And I'm like, did you see that? He goes, yeah, I watched the whole thing, you know, and he's just shaking his head. And I'm like, I know the whole time I was like, what can I get away with and still be a Christian and do back to this guy? <laughs> I said that to him. I totally did. I'm like, what do you think I could do to this guy and still get to heaven? And he's like, I don't know. Go take the valve stems off his tires or something. I'm like, oh yeah, that's really going to teach him. It's like, just go take the, I'm like, I'm not taking the valve stem. I'm taking the whole valve stem, right? Like. He was from another state, and I'm like, man, I'm not letting him get home. I, well, I, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So I get into the store, and I'm not joking. Like, my heart, my heart rate monitor is going, go to the ER, go to the ER. And I'm like, goodness gracious. So I get in the store, and I got my cart, and, and the guy's in front of me, and I see him. He was a big guy. Like, he was big, and I'm like... I'm kind of not that big. So I'm like, I'm, I'm just going to just keep my peace. And as I started walking through the store, I'm just like, if I, I'm going to bump into this guy again. I'm like, I, I can feel it. And I'm like, ah. so I get up to the checkout stand and I'm standing there and my heart's racing. All of a sudden, some, somebody I know comes walking up. Hey, how's it going? And I'm like, oh, um, it's good. <laughs> like, I'm trying to like not talk to anybody, just get out of there. And stuff. And so then I had to like take a deep breath and, and I talked to the guy for a minute. And then I was standing there in line and I was just like, man, this poor guy is so miserable. And I was like, our world is so miserable. And I was like, if I see him, I kind of want to offer to pray for him, but that'll probably really tick him off. <laughs> so I didn't see him. I paid and I got out of there. But I say all that because our world is watching. And I had to make a choice in that moment. I could have fired back. I could have, I'm, I'm, I could have punched the guy. Like, I'm just going to be honest. Like, it was so bad. Like, I literally wanted to, like, do damage to his truck, to him, in my flesh. But I had to take a breath and say, what, what is my response, my response supposed to be? And, and that's what I want to talk to you today about is how do we stand in our world today? Because our life speaks more than we ever know without saying a word from our mouth. Amen. This morning, I'm not talking about the life that's just trying to get by until it ends. I'm not trying, talking about this grave-tending life. I am talking about the life that God has called us to live that overflows so much that everyone and everything impacted by it is changed 
forever. God wants to use you to impact people's lives. When people come in contact with you, God wants to use your life in such a way that when they come in contact, their life could be changed forever. Amen. You can turn your Bibles this morning to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. How many of you guys know there's times where you could really need grace and peace multiplied? Amen. In that moment, I was like, God, I'm praying in the Holy Ghost right now. I'm shandarabasata. I'm like, God, give me my peace back. Give me some grace back because I'm ready to go postal for a moment and ask for forgiveness on Sunday morning at the altar. Like it was that bad. I was like, God, but I, I, I know that I can't go. And I had on my Lord's Gym t-shirt and I'm just like, I can't respond. You guys should all wear Christian t-shirts all the time. Okay. I'm like, I'm a reflection right now. And I'm in that store a lot. And they, a lot of them know me. Like, I don't have to show them my card. That's not a good thing. Okay, that means I'm spending too much money at Costco. And I'm like, I have to make a choice how I'm going to respond. How am I going to stand in this moment? Okay, it's not always in the big things. Right? It's not in the monumental moments. It's in the little things where we have to choose how we're going to stand. And that's why Paul says, grace and peace be multiplied to you as his divine power has given unto us all things. Turn to your neighbor this morning and say, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given, which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. How many of you guys want to be a partaker of God's divine nature? Amen. Come on, that's a good promise right there. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Jesus Christ. Listen, Paul gives us the recipe for a fruitful life. Amen. He gives us the recipe on how to live this life. He gives us the recipe how to overcome. He gives us the recipe how to walk, how to stand, how to carry ourselves, that we would be fruitful in this life. Fruitful in what way? Fruitful that we could stand and be a reflection of who Christ is. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. So therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Should we just give the altar call right now? So this is the kind of life that Jesus has promised long ago. And it's the kind of life that he expects you to begin living. Even when others threaten to tear you down, God calls you to stand up. Even if it seems as if we've almost, it seems as if we've almost accepted that we are not supposed to stand up anymore. Think about it in today. We're told the separation of church and state. We're told that we can't talk. You, you can't be a Christian at work. You can't do this. You can't do that. That is such a lie. That is such a lie. Amen? And we are, I think we are so quick to accept the world system instead of heaven system. Amen? 
it almost, it's almost like in that moment in Daniel, I think about when everybody else is bowing, they chose to stand. Amen. And I wonder if in today's day and hour, God's looking for those that would stand when everybody else seems to be bowing. Amen. I think of a guy in the Bible, Acts chapter six. I'm not going to read the whole account of his life. It would, it would take too long. So I'm going to summarize here. You can try to follow along with me if you want, but it's in Acts chapter six. And it starts in verse number eight, because Stephen was such a great example of somebody that experienced this living grace in such a radical way that he walked it out in a powerful way. It says in verse number eight, it says, Stephen was a man full of faith or full of grace, faith, power, and the Holy Spirit. He did great wonders and miracles and signs among the people. Some men began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. Do you recognize that God's spirit wants to speak through you in a powerful way? Think about that for a moment. You have God's spirit on the inside of you. And so many times we get in these moments where we forget that God's spirit resides on the inside of us, that God's spirit wants to do the speaking. I talk about it all the time. Like, have you ever been in those conversations where you have it and all of a sudden all this stuff comes out of you and, and it's good stuff? right? It's like really encouraging stuff. It's like really powerful stuff. It's really like life transforming stuff. And then you walk away and you're like, whoa, where did that come from? Right? You're like, man, why can't that happen all the time? Like, like just whenever I want. No, it's because God's spirit does not work by your power, but by his power. Amen. And, and so we got to recognize that God's spirit wants to speak through us in such a way that that would impact people's lives. It says that they seized Stephen, brought him before the courts. They produced false witnesses who lied about the things he supposedly said. Have anybody in this room ever had anybody lie about you? Falsely accuse you? Amen. All who were sitting in the courtroom looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like that of a face of an angel. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look like an angel this morning. Some of you don't want to say that to your neighbor. What's your problem? Some of you are not nice. You need to look at them and say, you look like the face of an angel. It says, then the high priest asked him, are these charges true? This morning I want to ask you, are you willing to stand against the charges for the cause of Christ? Are you willing to stand against the words that people speak? You see, this morning you are called by a God who has a purpose for life that is greater than you. Stephen's decision to be sold out came long before he was unpopular. I'm going to say that one more time. Stephen's decision to stand came a long time before he was unpopular. See, Stephen's choice came one morning at an altar or one day when he had an encounter, or one morning while he was sipping coffee, drinking his Bible, spending time in prayer and worship in his home, he had an encounter with God that transformed his life in such a way that he said, God, I'm willing to commit my life for the rest of my days, no matter what it costs me. See, Stephen was willing to make that decision long before he was ever unpopular. See, and many of us make decisions because we're trying to become more popular in our world today. We, we make these decisions trying to think that if I do this or do that right, or, or maybe I just do a little bit of this over here, maybe compromise a little bit over here, you know, just maybe if I say this just right, maybe I could garner 
a little more popularity. Maybe I could be liked a little bit more because deep down inside, we're really trying to create something that, that is in our own power instead of allowing God to just show up and show off in our life and provide and just stay in a life of surrender. But Stephen said, I'm willing to pay the price no matter what it costs me. And I want to ask you this morning, have you gotten to that place where you've had that encounter with Christ where you said, I'm willing to devote the rest of my life no matter what it costs me? Because if you don't have that posture, you'll never get to that place of being used by God where you may become unpopular. We live in a world where everything we do wants to be popular. We don't want to do things to offend people, right? Like we all need to just be loved and accepted. No, we need to be loved, but we need to be changed. Say that again. We need to be loved but we need to be changed. God is love, but God is also a God that desires change and surrender and sacrifice. That didn't go over very well. See, he decided to stand for Jesus well before anyone disagreed with him, hated him, or brought him to trial. Because of his decision, he was filled with power, grace, and faith by the Holy Spirit. This morning, you will not get those things in your life when you need to take a stand. You get them before so you can take a stand. A lot of people are trying to get something before they act. But God says, you need to just be obedient and act. I remember hearing the story of, um, of Brother Hagin way back in the day, talking about before he ever became a preacher. He said he, he felt like God told him to just to begin to write sermons. He said he had never preached. He had never stood in a pulpit. He just felt like God called him to be a preacher. And he said that, that the Holy Spirit told him, you just begin to write sermons. And he said, and one day, he goes, those sermons that I wrote in my closet, in my prayer room, in my living room, wherever it was, those were the sermons that I preached for the life of my ministry. See, so many times we're waiting for the opportunity to prepare. But God is saying, are you willing to prepare regardless of the opportunity? See, many of you are desiring something that is solely connected to your decision to stand. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verse number 54 through 58, I'm going to summarize this morning. It says, therefore, my brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you always giving yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that work for Jesus moves mountains. This morning, I want to encourage you. There will be persecution. Everybody put a nice smile on your face as I share this with you. There will be persecution. Plan on it. Amen? There will be people who disagree with you. Plan on it. There will be people who hate you plan on it and then get over it plan on it and get over it amen because what good does it do hanging on to it you're only hurting yourself amen i, I think about the children of israel when when joseph brought them into pharaoh's kingdom and and they were promised this life and all this stuff and then and then joseph goes by the you know passes away and and all of a sudden the pharaoh turns on them and all of a sudden they're being persecuted but the bible says that in the midst of their persecution, they, they grew and they multiplied. See, many of the things that you're going through, the struggles, the trials, the persecution, the things that you feel are not because God's trying to crush you. It's because he's trying to grow you, 
and trying to multiply you. But it's going to take you getting over it in order for you to grow and multiply. Amen? It's going to take you saying, I'm willing to stand no matter what comes against me. You know, I feel like in our world today, there's so many people who are just accepting this mindset of the world. I don't think Jesus would be silent in his workplace today. I don't think the disciples would accept separation of church and state. You know why? Because that's exactly why Jesus got crucified. Because he was, he was speaking about this freedom and this promise of God. And that's why they crucified him. The state did not like what he was informing the people of. Look at how it's come full circle. Where we're allowing this thing to dictate our freedom in Christ. We're allowing them to tell us. And the, and the reality is it's a lie. It's a total lie. I'm walking onto these campuses saying, oh, you can't have God in, in schools anymore. Baloney. Baloney. I'm walking into campuses right now where teachers are Christians. They're praying before school. They're, the principals are welcoming us in because their system isn't working. We need something to change. Would you come and would you do and would you speak and would you share and would you help this student? Would you talk to this student? Would you do something? They know I'm a pastor. They're the one that comes and gives me the microphone at lunchtime and says, have a good time with our students. Thank you for all that you do. And they turn on the PA in the main gymnasium. Come on, there's no separation. It's just a spirit. So what are you accepting instead of standing? Amen? I'm here to encourage you this morning because I believe God wants to use you in a greater degree. Serving Jesus is not about chasing a spiritual high. It's about taking a spiritual stand. Every single one of us is in an arena where God wants to speak through you. Every single one of us is somewhere where people are watching your life. In the grocery store, in the gym, in your workplace, in your family, with your kids, your grandkids, your neighbors. How many of you guys have some of those people in your life that it's hard to stand for Christ when you're around them? <laughs> She's like, I don't know. Do I want to say this or not? <sighs> Nobody else did. You're good. You and I, we got this. Amen. If you don't stand for Jesus, you'll fall for everything. This is where Stephen made his decision, where he became sold out for the cause of Christ. When he did, any cowardice melted away into boldness as he grew a backbone and became brave. Can I be really honest with you today? I was standing in that gymnasium on Thursday, like five minutes before it was time, going, what have I done to myself? Every time I'm in there, I'm like, God, what am I doing to myself? Are you sure? But as I stand... This boldness comes upon me. And for that few moments that I have that microphone, that I'm in front of those students, it is truly God speaking through me. It is not me because I'm standing there going, I don't want to do this. I'm shaking. I'm discrediting myself. I'm listening to all these thoughts. And, and they're trying to get the best of me. But if you will stand, if you will allow the cowardness to be silenced in your life, and you'll begin to stand, there will be a boldness. There'll be a fire. There'll be a passion that rises up on the inside of you. And I promise with all of my heart that lives will be touched and changed. When you stand up against the enemy, God will show up and show off in your life. Stephen, he knew that persecution was coming. 
And then if he opened his mouth, he could be put to death by stoning. He also knew that if he backed out, that every believer watching him would do the same. What kid's watching you? What generation is watching you? What grandkid is watching you? What coworker's watching you? Who's watching your life waiting for you to fall so that they can make an excuse for not standing? Isn't that how we work? We love to watch somebody fail so it justifies our failures. But God calls us to stand. God calls us to rise up because there's generations to come, and Stephen recognized that. So this morning, he made his decision, and it's the same decision you and I have to make every day. The only way to keep rocks from being thrown at you is to not stand up. The only way to keep rocks from not being thrown at you is to not stand up. That's comforting, isn't it? Praise the Lord, you're in church on Sunday morning, and I'm here to tell you, you stand for Jesus, you better, better get your shield. Amen? You better be prepared. But God has called us to a greater life. He's called us to a greater promise. And you're not always going to be the most popular. But then your life, if you don't stand, is spent hiding from your destiny. And that's worse than any rock ever being thrown at you. Would you rather run from your destiny or take a few hits? I don't know about you, but I loved Rocky growing up. And I still like it. Turn on the classics. Da-da-da. Da-da-da. And I'm like, ow, that hurt. Oh, that really hurt. Ow, gosh. But I'm going to get back up. Matt, if you'd come back, please. Uh, and when I'm done, please, let me. Yes, thank you, Mike. Stephen was not allowed, was not about to allow this to happen in his life. They asked him if the accusations were true. And he replied, not with the defense of himself, but with a sermon about Jesus. As I close this morning, I want you to hear this. I don't have time to read the whole account. You can go back later and read in Acts chapter 7 through the whole story. He begins to recite back all the times that God had shown up in a powerful way to reveal himself to the children of Israel, to to make known who he was, make known his promises, make known his faithfulness, make known how good of a God he is, how loving he is, how merciful he is, how full of grace he is. All throughout the Old Testament, you see this storyline where no matter what they did, God continued to try to remind them, like, I'm a good, good father. I'm a good God. I recognize that somebody took a bite out of an apple and it's made life hard for every person that's walked the face of the earth ever since but I'm a good, good father. And if you'll stand, I'll meet you. And, and Stephen begins to remind them of every time God did great things for them, they turned their backs on him. They chose to bow. They chose to turn their head. They chose to, to go in their wicked ways. They turned to go in rebellion. They turned to go in rejection. And instead of standing for who their God was, they turned and they resisted. A loving God who had nothing but joy and peace and promise but they resisted even to the point when Jesus walked the face of the earth God's love in manifest form he turns to them he says you stiff necked people in verse 51 with uncircumcised hearts and ears 
You're just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Are you resisting this morning to stand? Are you resisting that voice that's saying, don't do this, don't do that, stand for this, speak up, speak out, share, show? Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You have received the law that was put into effect through the angels, but have not obeyed it. When they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voice, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When was the last time somebody did you wrong and you were able to stand and say, God, don't hold it against them. They know not what spirit they are of. God is looking for people that are willing to stand like Stephen stood. When he had said this, he fell asleep and he died. This morning, it's not so much about what Stephen said in this moment, but it's about what Jesus did. Every place you look in Scripture, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. There is no other place you can look in the Word where Jesus is not sitting at the Father's right hand except this moment. Stephen's faith caused Jesus to stand. I don't know what you're living for. I don't know what you're giving your life to. But I want to live my life in such a way that one day I'll be able to look in heaven and see Jesus standing. Jesus usually sits at God's right hand, but when one of his saints dies for him, he stands. When a king stands in his throne room, everyone present stands as well. And when Stephen died for the king, Jesus stood up, all of heaven stood up, until Stephen walked through the gates of heaven that day. This morning, church, when you stand up for Christ, nothing can stand against you. Because Jesus stands for you. I want to encourage you this morning. Some of you have faced some hard things. You've had situations come against your life. You've had persecution. You've had people lie about you. You've had people say things about you. you. You felt like this thing is just constantly in your life. But I want to tell you today that if you will recognize the power and the grace that resides on on the inside of you by the Holy Spirit, 
that God will carry you through. God will bring you to that place of victory. God will bring you to that place of promise in such a way that you will look back and you will see the people that have been watching, the people that have been listening, the people that have been looking at your life, saying there's somebody who gets it. The perfect time to stand for Jesus is every time. When was the last time you stood for something? I mean, really took a stand for what you believe in. This morning, we all have places of influence, whether we recognize it or not. And I want to tell you this morning, our world needs more people standing for the righteous cause of Christ. And if you're willing to stand long enough, people's lives will be influenced and your life will be forever altered. I didn't share the stuff about the assembly on accident. I shared it to illustrate a point. I believe that as we've walked in our community and done what we've done with our Lord's Gym and the backpack giveaway and, and all the things you guys supporting us to go and feed kids at lunchtime and do just being this continual love and light and respect to our schools that now they are trusting us. It's not because we're a flash in the pants. It's not because I'm some really cool guy. I'm not at all. Like I, it's just because we're standing for something when everybody else seems to be bowing. And I want to encourage you this morning, who is in your life that is watching you, that is waiting for you to speak, to walk in the power and the anointing that God has ordained for you to have? When we don't stand, we're saying the world system has more power in our lives than heaven's promise. When you don't speak when the Holy Spirit's prompting you, you're saying that the world system has more power in your life than God's promise. When you don't obey the voice of God, you're saying, God, I know what your promise is, but I need to succumb to the ways of this world today because they're telling me that I can't speak up. No, I'm here to tell you today that when you stand for the righteous cause of Christ, he will always come through and he will always reward those that stand in faithfulness and obedience to his word. Would you stand this morning? As you close your eyes this morning, At the end of the day, it does not matter who disagrees with you. It doesn't matter what people have said about you. It doesn't matter who's mocked you or teased you. What matters is did you stand? Did you keep being who God called you to be? That's what matters. I've had a lot of people come and go from my life. I've made some mistakes. But I believe that as long as I keep standing and keep surrendering, that God is faithful to keep moving in my life. Some of you in this room, you maybe have made some mistakes. Can I tell you today that it's the simple surrender where God meets you. And he says, I know, 
but I'm here for you. Just like I was throughout the whole Old Testament, no matter what, my mercy and my grace through Jesus Christ will meet you at your place of surrender, at your place of sacrifice. So with eyes closed and heads bowed, serving Jesus is not complicated. We make it complicated, but it's really easy. Serving Jesus is just accepting that he is who he says he is and that his word is true. That's the big step. And saying, I'm not going to try Jesus. I'm going to live for Jesus. See, the disciples didn't try Jesus. They lived for Jesus. They gave their life to him. They said, everything is his to the point of death. Not to the point of comfort. Becca and I, we were talking the other day after the assembly and she's like, man, I was just thinking the other day how I'm kind of the only one out of my friends that's still going to church regularly and involved and doing. And I said, I know it's kind of disheartening sometimes in ministry. How many people just come and go? Just being honest for a minute. It's it's sad. It, It grieves my heart. Because we accept this lie so quickly. We don't want to resolve conflict. We don't have honest conversations. Man, I've made mistakes and I've tried to reconcile and people, they won't text me back. They won't call me back. They won't respond. They won't sit and have a conversation. I'm like, I'm trying to make things right. But I'm going to keep standing no matter what. I'm going to keep doing what God's called me to do. Because God is faithful. Amen. With every eye closed and every head bowed. Maybe you're in this room today. And you've never made that commitment to say, Jesus, I'm ready to give you my life, to surrender it today. I'm willing to die at the altar like Stephen. I'm willing to to say no matter what comes from this day forward, I'm willing to give my life to Christ because what I am right now is not good. It's not worked. It hasn't panned out the way I thought it would. It has not given me the peace, the joy, the security, the safety, the health, whatever it is in your life that you're lacking today. There's somebody in this room today that Jesus wants to meet you and he wants to touch your life and he wants to begin a relationship with you that'll be the greatest journey that you'll ever walk out for the rest of your life. If that's you, friend, everybody's eyes are closed and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the savior of your life. But today, you're ready for that grace and that peace to be released in your life. Would you just raise your hand real quick and say, Pastor Sean, that's me. Thank you, my friend. Amen. There's one. Anybody else? Say, God, you've touched my heart today. I feel something in my heart. I feel something in my spirit that I need to give Jesus my everything. Anybody else before we pray?